0: 7 Million Bikes podcast couldn't happen without the support of our community. I want to give a massive thank you to our existing Patreon members, Zion Johnson, Brandon Thompson, Dan Jones, Andrew Barry, Annie Ver, Carrie Hughes-Parry, Pippa Clear, Tracy Wright, Alistair Chapman, Brandon Thompson, and our newest member, Tien Kung. To say thank you to all of our members, we're having a special pool party here at my new apartment. And thanks to my friends at Mixtape Brewery, we'll be enjoying their new green tea-based hard seltzer, perfect for an afternoon of drinking by the pool. As you probably know, I'm a massive craft beer fan. Mixtape Drinks is a relative newcomer on the growing craft beer scene here in Vietnam, starting in 2020 by my friend Chad Mitchell and Taipei-based Sean Kidd. You'll often see me and Adri out in Saigon drinking their delicious Peaches and Cream IPA, or a refreshing California sun juicy paleo. And if you're in the mood for something a bit heavier and darker, their molly milk stout is delicious. I was pretty disappointed when I found out, though, that it didn't actually include molly. Through craft beer, Mixtape Drinks is becoming part of the Vietnam community through local music, art, food, and now podcasts. If you'd like to be part of the 7 Million Bikes community and support our podcast, then Mixtape is giving away four free cans to the next three new community members. That's worth 280,000 dong or 11 US dollars. To get your free cans, you have to be in Ho Chi Minh City and join the We Make Plan or above. You can still support us wherever you are in the world. And when you do, next time you're in Saigon, the drinks are on me. As a community member, you'll also get episodes before anyone else invites to special events like our pool party and bonus content that no one else will ever see or hear. And I'll also give you a special shout out on future episodes. So join at patreon.com forward slash 7 million bikes, or you can find the link in the show notes. Thank you so much to everyone for listening and helping us pass 40,000 downloads recently and everyone who supports us, including Mixtape Brewery. Cheers! Ever heard a joke and wondered, did that really happen? My name's Neil Mackay, host of a Vietnam podcast and a comedian. Long before I ever started comedy, when I heard comedians tell the craziest, funniest stories, I would always wonder just this. And if I got the chance to meet them after the show, I would always ask them straight away, did that really happen? Nine times out of ten, the answer was yes. But the difference between sharing a funny story with friends and telling it on stage is a comedian's ability to take those moments and craft them into a well-worked joke. In each episode of this podcast, we'll talk to comedians from around the world, play you one of their favorite jokes, then ask them, did that really happen? My guest today is Peter Sadell comedian from England based in Japan who's also performed across much of Southeast Asia at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and in Poland. Let's hear his joke.
1: I feel sometimes really taken aback by how blatantly women flirt with me. (laughs) Which is not the punchline. (laughs) Start again
0: now,
1: don't we? <laughs> So, yeah, it, it takes me about how blatantly women flirt with me. So, like, the, the other day, I'm at a museum, like, the woman at the ticket counter, like, for no reason at all, offers me, like, a 50% discount. For, like, no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> Either that, or she really believed I qualify for the senior citizen discount. <laughs> Definitely flirting. Definitely. definitely, 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 definitely flirting. That's
0: that's my time. Hi. Good yeah. Thank you, Peter. Yeah. Definitely flirting. So, Peter,
1: did that really happen? It did, yeah, insofar as anything happened. Like the only thing in the joke that's uh, incident is the woman at the museum offered me the senior citizen discount, and yes, it happened.
0: That's brutal.
1: Even with a mask on, I I don't look that old, do I? I mean, I I checked after I got home, and yeah, at that museum, it's sixty (laughs) five. You've got to be sixty five to get the discount, and I am. I mean, I I am not a spring chicken, clearly, but I'm nowhere near sixty five. So yeah, so yes, that happened, and I was very taken aback. So how do you turn
0: these? So how do you turn this into a joke?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm actually a little annoyed at myself because like I I did have the bit of paper with like the interim stage between that happening and the final version, but I was cleaning and I threw it away. So, I don't remember exactly how it turned into a joke, but I mean, like, you've, you've seen my act. So, you know, like, a lot of my stuff is about delusion and status and misunderstanding. So, I think like the middle stage would have been how can I misunderstand her offer in a way that is positive for me? So, how can I turn it into something good? Yeah, so, that that would have been. Ah, she offered me the discount. That must be because she's flirting with me because I'm such a tasty young thing. But how how, how then do I set that up for the audience? Because if if I just go on stage and say, hey, a woman offered me a discount, she must have been flirting with me. It's okay, but it, it doesn't have the rhythm of a joke that fits my act. So... If I open with the idea of women flirting with me, then go into the misunderstanding. So that fits the way I work a bit better. And so that, that's, it, it kind of formed itself. Like I didn't have to go through a lot of rewrites. So once I got that idea to put the flirting thing at the front, it basically wrote itself.
0: And the, this is like this is the, the beauty of it, and this is what I love because obviously the story really happened. But I, I assume you didn't actually think she was flirting with you, but you have to then come up with this like, how do I make this funny, right? Like, how do I make this kind of funny thing that happened? Which is if you just told your friends, like you said, you are like, oh, I thought the girl was flirting with me because she was giving me a discount. Oh, sorry, if you, yeah, 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 then like, you know, yeah, that's right. It's not that scary. It's like oh haha, ha, but it's not like you go up on stage and tell that.
1: Yeah, it, could, it it wouldn't work on stage like that. And I think like the, the joy of that first line as well is that the first line like on that clip, it got a response by itself. <laughs> so, so sometimes like I say that first line and people laugh and I can tell them off for laughing at it. Or or sometimes it gets nothing. Oh, really? So, I'll, yeah, so I'll, I'll just go on and say, Hey... I can't believe how blatantly women flirt with me. Then there's a long silence.
0: <laughs> and I say, okay, no one thinks that's a joke. Good. <laughs> I felt bad when I listened to it and everyone laughed so hard. I was like, oh, that's that's brutal. They've just roasted you.
1: Yeah. But that's look, that's what I risk. Yeah. If I go on stage and say that, sometimes it's going to happen. I mean, the idea, women flirting with this whole thing, how could (laughs) he think that could happen.
0: But it's this thing is about comedy is how you, you, the misdirection, right? That's what I love. That's what I've been trying to explain to a couple of new comedians that have asked for advice. And it's like, just think of something that's like left field or ridiculous that's going to, you know, completely throw the audience off. Like they're not expecting it. Yeah, exactly. Like a, a lot
1: of my jokes, sort of about that like, kind of misunderstanding or misdirection. Oh, yeah, do I have a set list here? Ah, yeah, quite a lot. Hmm. Yeah, flirt discounts. Yeah, but basically, I'll, I'll have a situation and just like the punchline will open a different angle that the audience was not expecting. So, I vaccine is a good example. So I I worked out that like getting the vaccine is like going to bed with me. So straight away the audience is surprised, how can getting a vaccine be going to bed like this, man? So, That's what
0: I'm thinking The idea you know? is in the head, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You see, you wait around for thirty minutes to see if there's any effect, then when nothing happens, you just give up and go home. <laughs>
0: That's a great one. <laughs>
1: and the next day, I wake up with a sore arm.
0: <laughs> Even better. That's awesome. I,
1: yeah, yeah. So it, it just sets up the situation and get it gets the audience thinking. How is this going to work? What is happening here? It's. I think it's it's important in in one liners or in stories to like get the audience interested just like leave a gap in the audience's knowledge which we then like fill in with the punchline
0: and it's that and comedic timing as well like you did there like you left a big pause and I was already laughing at the I thought it was the first punchline and you came with a sore arm and that was something I was talking to someone last night who just wants to get started and uh he read me a couple of his jokes and I, it wasn't like he was just kind of he wasn't performing on stage he was reading them but I was just kind of giving him tips on that like you know those pauses that you've really got to leave them because if you just say what you said there but you have no pause and I woke up with this whole arm that people are like huh oh okay like you did so it's just that's the art of it right because it's it's what you say but how you say it as well
1: Ab- absolutely yeah like this stagecraft is really important yeah you're right if I just banged straight through it then that final line would be just lost oh I've, I've got another one where like the punchline is one word, but like the timing is pivotal, absolute, so important. So how does that one go? I, I've been in Japan about 18 years now, and I can tell you this, I am not going to be marrying a Japanese woman, evidently.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a good one too. So yeah, look, yeah the, the timing on that one word has to be just right.
0: And it's crazy, isn't it? Because sometimes you do, I, I do, I've done jokes that I just know are, like one of my like go-to jokes that I always know are going to get a big laugh. And then sometimes they don't, and you're like, you know, I, I just missed the timing there. There's something I missed, like a half beat that made that joke not as funny this time when I know it's a funny joke. So it's a it's, it's thing of performing as well because you have to do it again and again and again, right? And so you have to make sure you get it right every time. Yeah, that's that's
1: right. Yeah, it can be frustrating because like, I've got a handful of bankers that sometimes don't work because like I I don't like memorize my jokes like verbatim. Yeah, and like, the, yeah. I, I, I'm, I know the joke. I know basically how it goes, but then sometimes if I'm in the moment, I'll like slip up or hesitate or get a couple of words wrong, and it won't work as well as it usually does. Like that's a frustration, but. Yeah, that's something that just comes with practice.
0: No, I'm similar. I don't, like, um, like I'm, not, I'm not an actor. I've never acted, so I don't learn my jokes like a script where I, like, will, it will be the same. And I know some of the comedians I've seen here, they're amazing at it. Like, I've seen them so many times, and they deliver it, like, almost the exact same every time. And I'm like, how do you do that? And they get the the, the same laughs at the same times every single time. Whereas mine's a bit more fluid, a bit more <laughs> I remember like yeah, like you're saying, like, this is the joke, but I don't have it like down like that.
1: Yeah. I think so sometimes it is helpful. I think it helps to be present if in the room if you've not memorized it verbatim, but I've got another new one, kind kind of a situationist joke where I talk about having had the Chinese vaccine and how there's conspiracy theories about it being a implanting a chip for mind control. And like then I act as if I'm under mind control by the Chinese state. Like, but I've been ad-libbing it every time. So it's getting a patchy response and it probably would help if I like wrote something down and learnt it properly.
0: I'm the exact same. I've got a couple of jokes where I just I kinda ad lib them and they don't really work. And I'm like I know if I spent some time on this and I wrote it down <laughs> and I rehearsed it, it would probably be pretty good. But I'm, I think I've told you before, I'm the laziest comedian there is. So I don't, I can never, well, it's not all I'm lazy. As you know, I'm always busy. So I don't always have the yeah. time to be like, I'm going to sit down and rewrite this joke. So I've got a whole bunch of probably half finished material that probably has had some legs. Like we, I did that, the unicorn joke. And you said, "Oh, you know, you should tell the full story." And I was like, "Oh, I actually have the full story, but I just don't tell it <laughs> because it's that exact reason to, <laughs> to to tell that full story. I would really need to. That's so why I don't like doing long form jokes so much because I would, I really need you need to really remember it and remember every line. And I just uh, slash lazy slash don't have the time to do that.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of the same. Like I should spend more time on this. Like I've still got a pile of recordings." that I should listen to. It's like, I've got my little books out there and like all the jokes are written down and I listen back to the recordings. Green dot, if it gets a good response. Red dot, if it gets a bad response. And I've got a load more recordings to listen to to see how they go. Oh easier you like thorough a, than me then. Yeah. Because like in, in the moment, I'm doing still mostly online mics and I'm getting the recordings from a lot of them. But it does also mean I'm overwhelmingly doing new jokes. So if I don't record, then I can't remember which ones are working or how well they're working.
0: Yeah, there's so much to it. Well, look, thank you so much, Peter. Awesome to chat to you. Been I, amazing doing all those online mics with you when we had a lockdown here in Saigon. It's good to hear that you're I, back doing shows again. Yeah, it's fine. I mean,
1: like, you know, we are still doing the online mic from Tokyo. So. If and when you have a moment, you're welcome to drop in and do that one with us.
0: I know, I keep meaning to. And you know, I always keep getting sidelined, but hopefully soon. So tell people who are listening, I will put links in the show notes. Where can they find out about you, where you're performing, and about your online open mic? Tell us about that. All right. I, sh- I should have prepared for this question
1: because <laughs> I have listened to the other podcast. <laughs> right. Um, right uh, where do I start? Um, like, Facebook, uh my page is Peter Sidel Comedy. Twitter is at Mr Peter Sidel. Like uh something else I work on by way of comedy is like uh a comedy like salary man life story. So that, that goes out on like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and that is called Takeshi's Diary. We'll put the The spelling will be in the show notes.
0: I was going to say, if you've listened to the other podcast, you know, you don't
1: need to spell it out. (laughs) No, no need. So go in the show notes and you can find links to all the previous podcasts, which are also good to listen to.
0: (laughs) Thank you. All right, Peter. Awesome. Have a good day in Japan and I will see you soon. Yep. Take care, Neil. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year.